0: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to get into the NFC Divisional Round of the playoffs with Cody Benjamin, NFL writer for CBS Sports. He's going to help me break down all four games coming up this weekend, and we are obviously going to talk a lot about the Eagles' search for a new head coach and uh, where things are going to be heading here in the next few weeks and months. So we're going to dive into all that coming up here in just a few minutes on Eye on the Enemy. Just want to remind you to check out all of our great shows here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, and make sure to continue to check us out on BleedingGreenNation.com every day to keep you up to date on all of the rumors going on with this football team and all the head coaching candidates that are going to come in and out of Philadelphia here over the next few weeks and months. But before we get to our conversation with Cody Benjamin, um, some things about what went down here with Doug Peterson, obviously over the last few days, kind of one of those things that's shocking and then yet not surprising at the same time. I just still find it hard to believe that three years after a Super Bowl, the Eagles actually fired Doug Peterson. They actually did make him the scapegoat for for 2020. And Jeff Lurie said during his news conference that Doug Peterson didn't deserve to get fired, but yet he fired him. And I do understand that Doug Peterson's coaching decisions, what he wanted to do as far as his coaching staff next year, and the fact that he wanted to keep Mike Groh last year and, and keep some of the other guys last year, that he had to be overruled for that I understand where the Eagles were coming from with some of that, even though I disagree with it, because these are not good decisions that Doug Peterson was coming to the table with wanting to promote press Taylor to offensive coordinator, wanting to bring Corey Unlin in as defensive coordinator. I mean, I just, I don't see, I don't see the wisdom in that at all. But that being said, you know, my position on Doug Peterson, he should have been allowed to pick his own staff. A super bowl winning coach gets to pick his own staff. That's just the way it goes. And the fact that Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman didn't want to allow that to happen forced him out, for no, no doubt. And it's disappointing, because I do think Doug Peterson's a good head football coach, and I don't know who they're going to get. I don't know who they're going to get to replace Doug Peterson. We're going to get into that with Cody coming up here in just a few minutes. But you know, none of the explanation for any of this may, has made any sense in the days since Jeff Lurie held that Zoom news conference and, and the announcement was made. You know, different things are being leaked by different people to tell different stories and none of it fits together because here's what Jeffrey Lurie said. He said he fired Doug Peterson because Peterson wanted to approach 2021 with a win at all costs mentality that he's still in win now mode, that he's still in a mode to get back to the Super Bowl. And Jeff Lurie was essentially saying that's not where the team is right now, that they need to take a step back. They need to reevaluate where they are. They need to focus on getting younger and really now deal with the salary cap hell that they're going to be in. When Howie Roseman had his side-by-side Zoom call with Doug Peterson it was, it was really Howie Roseman's news conference. Doug didn't say two words because you never get a chance to talk to Howie Roseman. He's like finding a unicorn in the forest. You know, when you see one, you're going to devote all your attention to him. So uh, that, was, that was what Howie was really preaching as well, was that they needed to take a step back, that they had talked about getting younger these last two offseasons, but never did it because they really felt like there was a chance to kind of keep that Super Bowl window propped open. But unfortunately, the crowbar that they thought they had been using was instead like a, a painter's stirring wand, and it snapped this offseason, or pardon me, in, in, during the 2020 season. And now this offseason, they're finally waking up to the fact that, yes, they actually do have to get younger, and they have to stop stashing draft picks every year. They got to stop spending first and re- second round and third round draft picks on guys that they don't expect to play for three years. So, What Jeff Lurie is saying is that this team is on a slow rebuild now, not even us necessarily. There is no real slow rebuild in the NFL, unless you're the New York Jets. But you can get you can get good pretty quickly in the NFL if you're smart. But the Eagles are realizing that the 2021 and probably the 2022 seasons are not going to be seasons where they're hunting a Super Bowl. But then Troy Aikman said something uh, in a podcast that came out on Thursday that he talked to Doug Peterson after Peterson was fired and that his impression was that Doug wanted to move forward with Jalen Hurts as his quarterback and that Jeffrey Lurie and the Eagles wanted to move forward with Carson Wentz. And then the, and that, that was a big part of the reason why Doug Peterson was let go. Well, if the Eagles truly are going to take a step back, as Jeff Lurie said, and look to rebuild, then it makes no sense to fire the coach that wanted to move forward with Jalen Hurts the younger quarterback, because with Carson Wentz, let's say Carson Wentz is a little bit better this year. Let's say he goes back to his 2018 and 2019 levels. He's going to enter 2021 with a roster that has little talent, certainly much less talent than any of the rosters he's had over the last few years. And unless they trade Jalen Hurts this offseason, Carson Wentz is going to go into 2021 in the same exact scenario as 2020 only with a more established Hertz behind him. We went into this season thinking there really wasn't any way Jalen Hurts was going to get any playing time because no one saw Carson Wentz falling off a cliff. And so the objection to Jalen Hurts was, yes, it, it muddied up the locker room and who knows what kind of an effect it actually had on Carson Wentz. It certainly doesn't seem like it had a good effect on Carson Wentz, but nobody saw Carson Wentz's precipitous drop and Jalen Hurts actually starting games here for the Eagles and playing well in the first two games. Right. So now you've got Jalen Hurts with four games as a starter underneath his belt. You've got a lot of the fan base that really believes Jalen Hurts is the future at the quarterback position. You're going to bring Carson Wentz back next year in that scenario for a crappy season, you know, with a crappy season in his rearview mirror. And no doubt about it, the ire of the city is on his shoulders now. Right or wrong, people are going to blame Carson Wentz for Doug Peterson getting fired, and he's going to have a brand-new head coach that for sure I would think is going to be quicker on the trigger with Carson Wentz, right? Keeping Carson Wentz as this team's quarterback makes absolutely zero sense at this point. And as Dan Orlovsky noted, I think on 97.5 The Fanatic, you, you cannot saddle a new head coach with Carson Wentz. What... What really bright-minded head coach, unless they are in love with Carson Wentz? And really, is any head coach in in the NFL, maybe aside from Frank Reich, in love with Carson Wentz? Are you going to saddle a a new head coach? as a new head coach... That's worth their salt going to want to come here and be told, drop a drop an old 1970s Chevelle in the front lawn and say, you got to fix this. I don't know that Carson Wentz is that broken down. I don't know where Carson Wentz is. No one knows if he can be fixed. No one knows if he can, knows if he can be revived. But are you going to make that the first job of the new head coach that comes in? I don't see it. So this is why none of this makes sense. If Jeff Lurie truly wants to take a step back these next couple of years and rebuild, you're going to waste two years of really Carson Wentz's prime. He's going to be 28 and 29 years old. Now, maybe Carson Wentz plays into his 30s, but you've got two years where you're paying him a ton of money. You are dumping a ton of money into the quarterback position. You, generally speaking, only do that when you have a team that's going to compete for the postseason. Now, the, the Eagles may have no choice. They may not be able to find a suitor. They may not be able to trade Carson Wentz, and they may have to bite the bullet. But the rationale for Doug Peterson's firing just doesn't match up. These, these two things do not match. I, and, so, and so I'm not really sure exactly where Doug Peterson is, where, where Jeff Lurie is, where Howie Roseman is on any of this stuff. None of it makes any sense. So And, and the other thing I, I, I've, that just really sticks in my crawl about all this with Doug Peterson's firing is what does this say about Carson Wentz? I know we had Rob Motte on the show last week. And he said that Carson takes ownership of his flaws and that he's coachable, that he's taken responsibility for for how he played this year. I haven't seen it. And we haven't seen Carson Wentz refute anything that his people put out there, right? I mean, I can't imagine Doug Peterson's a hard guy to work with. What's the friction here? What, what is it about Doug Peterson, who by all accounts is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, is one of the nicest head coaches, one of the more amenable, go-with-the-flow head coaches in the NFL? How do you not ha- like, seriously, there must be something. Like, what is it that Carson Wentz just cannot play for Doug Peterson? I mean, to me, this, this speaks volumes about Carson Wentz. You know, when you take into account the Philly voice piece from a couple of years ago, which I thought at the time was unfair towards Wentz, but you look at that now and how his camp has leaked out over the last couple of weeks that he wants to be traded unless Doug Peterson's gone, and how Carson has so far refused to speak to the media following a season in which he truly played awful, did not has not spoken to the media to be accountable for his season and for what's been going on with all of the rumors out there. He's letting those rumors sit out there. He's letting that do his talking for him. I'm starting to believe that the problem with this team, or one of the big problems with this team, certainly more of a problem than Doug Peterson is Carson Wentz. And again, I have to say this over and over again because I was chief Carson Wentz defender number one these last few years. But until somebody can present to me a real reason why Carson Wentz would have a problem with Doug Peterson... I'm going to look side-eyed at Carson Wentz with this whole situation because I just don't understand it. And so you've moved, you've moved Doug Peterson out of the head coaching job where he won the Super Bowl three years ago, the first time a Super Bowl-winning head coach has been fired within three seasons after winning a Super Bowl from ni- since 1973. There's a reason head coaches don't get fired three years after a Super Bowl. It's usually because they're pretty good. And Doug Peterson didn't win that Super Bowl on accident. They didn't win that Super Bowl in spite of him. He didn't win that Super Bowl with somebody else's players and somebody else's scheme like John Gruden did with Tony Dungy's players, with the Buccaneers, right, back in 2002. That's not the situation we're looking at here. Doug Peterson was instrumental in that Super Bowl. What he did, getting two playoff teams to the to the, I mean, getting two teams to the playoffs in 2018 and 2019, two of the most injury riddled play, playoff teams in NFL history, says something. And it says something about the way these players always played hard for Doug Peterson. I'm, I mean, we'll see who the Eagles can get to replace him. But man, the grass is not always greener on the other side, gang. And I'm not I'm not happy about this at all, because I and there was an argument to be made for blowing it all up, getting rid of Peterson and Howie Roseman. But with Howie Roseman staying where he is, I don't like it. And and I know that maybe maybe Jeff Lurie felt he had no choice with the coaching ideas that Doug Peterson put in front of him. But I still believe Doug should have been allowed to sink or swim here in 2021. But I guess one of the other ways you can look at it is if Jeff Lurie is looking at 2021 as a lost season and they weren't going to really put forth an effort to win football games in 2021, that Doug Peterson probably was going to be fired next year anyway. So why wait? And Doug, and it sure sounds like this is the best thing for Doug Peterson. He, he, he was sick and tired of people telling him what to do. And as a Super Bowl winning head coach, he had less power than any Super Bowl winning head coach in NFL history. He should have been given more autonomy. He should have been given more freedom. You talk about, and I mentioned this on the 94 WIP Morning Show this week, I don't think the Eagles ever truly embraced Doug Peterson. They never truly embraced him. He was the last dog at the bowl in 2016. He was the guy they didn't want. They wanted all those other head coaches. They wanted Adam Gase. They they wanted Ben McAdoo. They wanted all the other guys that failed. They lucked into Doug Peterson, but I don't think they ever got that taste out of their mouths. That they never really loved him. They never really embraced him as their head coach. It's clear, and and maybe that has something to do with what the you know the taste that Chip Kelly left in their mouths. And they never wanted to give a head coach any kind of power again, but they micromanaged Doug Peterson to the point where I, you know, he really should have quit last year when he came out and said that he was keeping Mike Groh and Carson Walsh as much as I wanted Groh and Walsh fired when, when Jeff Lurie overruled that and he had to come out a day later to sit and and backpedal and look foolish, man, I don't know if I could have kept that job. I don't know if I could have stayed on. I mean, Doug Peterson, and that's what I mean. Doug Peterson, how do you not? How are you not able to get along with Doug Peterson? That he was able to swallow his pride like that, and submit himself to the the whims and and the wishes of his bosses when he could have quit and gotten another job someplace else, right? He but he submitted himself because he was committed to staying in Philadelphia, and had does and of all the head coaches I've ever seen, probably has less ego than any head coach in NFL history. So. This is just, these guys, Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman, never appreciated Doug Peterson. They never embraced Doug Peterson, and that has manifested itself in how little authority they've given him over these last couple of years, how they've always babysat him, how they've always had to make sure that they were, they were calling the shots, and Doug Peterson never really got a chance to make this team his own. I'm excited to see where he ends up. He's not going to go to the New York Jets because uh, they've hired they've hired San Francisco's defensive coordinator as their new head coach here on Thursday night. Sal- Sala, he's he's not going to be coming to to, to to Philadelphia. But what what you've got with Doug Peterson leaving is it's 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 going to be what's best for him, and I don't know that it's going to be what's best for the Eagles because you still have a dysfunctional organization with an owner who's meddling with a general manager who's meddling, and you're going to bring in a head coach that. I'm not sure they're gonna get the guy that they want. You might be looking at another situation like in 2016, where they had to take one of the one of the last choices that they, that they want to make. But we're gonna talk to Cody Benjamin about that coming up here in the next couple of minutes uh, from CBS Sports. So he's gonna tell us all about the Eagles' head coaching search, and we'll also dive into the NFL playoffs this weekend. Four divisional round playoff games coming your way: two on Saturday, two on Sunday. We're gonna talk about all that coming up next with Cody right here on Eye on the Enemy. And joining me to talk a little bit about the Eagles head coaching search, uh, the firing of Doug Peterson, and uh, to preview this weekend's NFL divisional round in the playoffs is Cody Benjamin, good friend of the podcast. He's an NFL reporter for CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Cody J. Benjamin. Cody, thanks for coming back on I on the Enemy, man. How are you? I'm doing great.
3: Great to be with you. I'm excited to
1: talk some football. Absolutely. And let's jump right into the Eagles coaching search here because more names get added to this list every day to say that the Eagles have cast a wide net would be understating it a little bit. You tweeted out, um, and I, I think it was either yesterday or today, but um, as we're recording this on the 14th, um, this was on uh, the 13th, you tweeted out a whole list of names. We've got Carolina offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, Tennessee offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, San Francisco defensive coordinator, Robert Saleh, Tampa Bay defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, New England linebackers coach, Jared Mayo, Kansas city quarterbacks coach Mike Kafka, Philadelphia assistant head coach, Drew Staley, Oklahoma head coach, Lincoln Riley, Ohio state head coach, Ryan day Cincinnati head coach, Luke fickle and more are coming each and every day. And I know among Eagles fans, you know, we see this as a pretty dysfunctional team right now. We see this as an organization that doesn't seem to know exactly what they're doing. And we're skeptical as to whether or not a, a really high profile coach is going to want to come here. Given the list of names here, where are you at on this Eagles coaching search as they really are just getting started right now?
3: Yeah. And we saw just Kellen Moore added today. Oh, right. Um, and obviously, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to continue to cast the net. And I think just in general, um, I think there's a little merit to the idea that, you know, when you compare openings, the Eagles aren't, um, you know, uh, bursting with attraction just because of the, the situation. I mean, uh, Doug Peterson, clearly, if the reports are to be believed is, is kind of worn down from, mm. from this run with the Eagles. And, but, I, but I honestly don't put, too much stock into this idea that they're undesirable because at the end of the day, there's 32 jobs. There's 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL. We see uh, guys interview with, with teams like the Jets and the Jaguars, every coaching cycle. Yes. They sometimes have high picks. So they sometimes have uh, a lot of cap space, but at the end of the day, it's an NFL head coaching job. You you can't tell me, you know, if you're Joe Brady and you're getting interest from all these teams, I mean, you're not going to, you're just not going to turn down the opportunity. And so, um, and eventually some of those spots are going to get filled. Um, for me, I mean, I, I guess I start for the Eagles with looking at the offensive side of the ball. I know that's it's a big talking point with Jeffrey Lurie, with with you know really any Eagles fan that's been under or watching Jeffrey Lurie hires run the team. Um, I, I think really it comes down to are you going for um, you know, I, you're going to have to sacrifice somewhere because with somebody like a Joe Brady. Um, even a Kellen Moore you're really banking on them being kind of an offensive mastermind and up-and-coming mastermind as opposed to this um, person who's been around the league for years and respected and you know Doug Peterson even though he didn't have head coaching experience you know Jeffrey Lurie himself talked about that emotional intelligence he talked about you know Doug Peterson's a former quarterback in this league he he had time under Andy Reid and so I, I I think it's just a matter of where are they going to sacrifice? Because if they go with, you know, Robert Salah from the 49ers, you're sacrificing uh, – you might bring in a nice offensive coordinator with him, but he may leave in here for another yeah. head coaching job. And so what do they want? We're going to find out.
1: Yeah. And because I think offensive coaches tend to get head coaching jobs more frequently than a defensive coach. If you bring in a defensive coordinator, he's likely to stick around for a longer period of time than a really bright offensive coach, like you're, like you're saying. So uh, to me, I I just don't have any interest in a defensive minded head coach, but I do think there are some offensive coaches out there who, who, do have those leadership qualities. And I think I think one of the guys that I think a lot of people in Philadelphia would really like to see get a legitimate chance this time around. And he always seems to be getting passed over in Philadelphia's Deuce Staley. And I don't know what else... And I think Deuce Staley is a big unknown because he's been under people his entire time in Philadelphia. So we don't really know what a Deuce Staley offense would look like. Would it be a run, run heavy offense, kind of in the mold of a Kyle Shanahan, John Harbaugh type thing, utilizing Jalen Hurts? Or would would he be somebody who likes what Doug Peterson tried to do with Carson Wentz? Or would he want to open it up and and do something different? And we just don't know that. What I think we have heard about Deuce Staley, and this is what I want to ask you about, is his his ability to lead a team and and how important that is when you're looking at a head coaching candidate who's who's more than just about looking at film you need a you need someone who has that emotional intelligence that doug peterson had
3: absolutely and i think um there, there's several interesting dynamics with deuce Staley. firstly that he's been passed over already several times not even just for head coach but for offensive coordinator yeah you know he, he's gotten those titles added on but uh, you know if they were to pass over him here You know, if ever there were a time for Deuce Daly to to be not handed the job, everyone's got to earn it. But if ever there were a time, it'd be now. Right. Right. Or he should go. (laughs) Right. That's the thing. I mean, if they pass over him now, I'm not sure, you know, what what is his role really in this in this uh, staff? But the other thing. Yeah, I think that's the huge question. Um, I don't think there's a there's any disagreement about the fact that Deuce Daly is, is a leader of men, is a guy that can command respect. In the locker room, but I would offer that, you know, throw away, I guess, that week 17 thing, however you look at it with Doug Peterson. I would argue that Doug Peterson already did that. I mean, he mm-hmm. guys never quit on him, right? Um, through those, you know, all those seasons. I think the one thing that Doug Peterson always did well was lead, was be a, a guy that the players trusted in, they looked to. What I think that the key is here is, you know, is Jeffrey Lurie interested? more in kind of replicating that players first mentality of the coach with a guy like Deuce Daly, or is he, is he concerned with, I need to fix my quarterback. I need to fix my offense. And, and maybe Deuce can do both of those things, but we really only know right now, like you said, that he can do one of those things. Mm-hmm. Maybe he, he has a great scheme that's friendly to a quarterback, uh, but that also relies on, you know, who are the staffers he's putting into place as well. And so, I think Steele is a very qualified candidate. It's just a matter of is he the right guy for the Eagles' job right now.
1: Which of the candidates that we know are out there right now that you think are are realistic for the Eagles to 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 get would be ones that would excite you think would excite Eagles fans? Like what what would be a what would be a really good fit? Um, is there one in particular that you look at one or two or or you know a handful that you think would be particularly good fits in Philadelphia that you think would actually come here?
3: Well, I'll start with the ones that I don't think would be particularly exciting. (laughs) Good. Um, I think that like someone like Todd Bowles, I think, um, you know, he was in Philadelphia before. He's got a good defense with the Buccaneers. But I mean, it's it sounds a little like a retread. It is a retread because, Mm -hmm. you know, he had the Jets tenure. I just don't know that that's going to be, you know, people are going to be like, wow, we got Todd Bowles um, after Doug Peterson. Um, Mike Kafka is not quite as much, but just because you're pulling from the same tree. Um, you know, that seems a little odd, uh, to be honest. And then, um, as far as ones that are exciting, I mean, I know Lincoln Riley is probably a far-fetched one that, that might be exciting for the fact that you're just doing a total kind of rebuild, but I look at guys, at least for me, like, like a Joe Brady, like a Kellen Moore. I mean, Mm -hmm. those are two. I think the the idea of a Gerard Mayo is really intriguing if if only he were on the other side of the ball. Yeah. Um I I just think that there's something to this idea that these these really young guys not that you're trying to replicate the the whole Sean McVay thing but guys that that are just going to bring a freshness to that locker room but are also well versed in in putting together offensive game plans. I mean that's mm. that's really what this is all about here and I think that Joe Brady, you know, very limited in experience but he's been at the college level, he worked under Sean Payton in New Orleans. Um, he's gonna be a. If you think that Joe Brady's gonna be a head coach in a year or two, you might not have the chance again. I mean, you yeah. might as well do it if you really believe in it. Um, and same goes for a guy like Kellen Moore. And that you're not playing the game like, oh, we want to hurt Dallas too. Mm-hmm. That's not why you're hiring. But um, if you if you trust he can put a game plan together, still relate to coaches and bring a fresh mindset, I look at those guys.
1: One last thing on the Eagles coaching search here, and, and, and then we'll move on. Uh, how does Carson Wentz fit into all this? I mean, we heard Troy Aikman in a podcast this week basically say he talked to Doug Peterson after Peterson was was fired, and Peterson seemed to indicate to him that he wanted to move on with Jalen Hurts while the organization seemed to want to keep Carson Wentz and try to fix Carson Wentz, which doesn't line up with Doug with Jeff Lurie's comments in, in the Zoom call that he thinks it's time for the Eagles to... Kind of start over and take a step back with Carson Wentz in his prime coming off a down year. Not none of that makes a whole lot doesn't line up for me. So I'm thinking I, you know, trying to figure out how does a, a new coach, like, you know, one of the guys you were just talking about, would they want to have to take on Carson Wentz and try to fix that problem as like their first thing? I mean, it's like, it's like bringing, bringing somebody in and dropping an old Chevelle in their front yard on, on cement blocks and saying, okay, you know, giving you the keys, to the office here, fix this first, you know, make this look yeah. like it did when, you know, and they may not. I wonder if if that's a deal breaker for some coaches and I wonder whether or not Jalen hurts is, is seen around the league as someone to build around and the Eagles have this number six pick in the draft. So there's a lot of moving pieces with the quarterback. How does the quarterback situation fit into the coaching search?
3: Yeah, I wish I had the answers for you because I'm, <laughs> I'm the same. Uh, you know, I went into the, the Jeffrey Lurie conference thinking here's, here's this chance to really be like, you know, Doug is gone. Not, not to say that it was one or the other, but, his chance to kind of reaffirm that Carson Wentz, and he was even less um, convincing in his argument for Carson Wentz than Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson were, I mean, you know, the week before. And so that threw me for a little bit of a loop because it it seems to me that it's still kind of, and of course it's going to be this way until they hire a coach. I mean, from the Carson Wentz camp, it's still – we're holding off. And, and, and and like you said, I mean, it really depends. I'd be curious. I don't think there's necessarily a consensus around the league. What Carson Wentz is right now, because Mm. we have to remind ourselves. I mean, we've been having the argument or the debate all season long when Carson Wentz is struggling, how much stock do you put into the one bad season and how much stock do you put into the four mostly good, occasionally great seasons? And, Um, you know, if you just look at the last stretch of the season, uh, you know, recency bias is, is a real thing in the NFL. Mm. And so coaches could definitely look at Jalen hurts and be like, we'd rather roll the dice with him and a draft pick. Uh, but I'm uh, me personally, I mean, I I would hesitate to, to give up entirely on Carson Wentz. It's just a matter of, can you align that coach and quarterback combo? Um, it's going to be interesting because I, I don't know that we know exactly what the market is for Carson Wentz around the league right now. Um, But it sure seems like, you know, if you just read into what Jeffrey Lurie has said, what Howie Roseman has said, everyone's kind of in a holding
1: pattern right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to unspool all this. Um, I just don't, I, I don't know how, I mean, I get the idea of moving on from Carson Wentz and taking the cap hit in 2021 and freeing it up for you know, for yourself thereafter. That seems to me, if you want to do what Jeffrey Lurie is talking about and take a step back and and rebuild, that makes more sense to me than continuing to stay on the hook and and pay a franchise quarterback franchise quarterback money during a rebuild the whole reason for doing a rebuild is try and clear the decks and build around a a young quarter a young cheap quarterback and uh, that those two things just don't line up to me and and if you were going to keep carson wentz then you keep doug peterson but doesn't sound like doug peterson wanted carson Wentz. so it's like i don't know
3: it's crazy because i i i don't know that anyone really knows fully what what went on behind the scenes because i don't know I mean, can you just chalk this up to, and, and Carson Wentz, you know, on and off the field for, for the majority of his career. I mean, the guy has been, he's been a class act. Yeah. And so this has been almost, I don't want to suggest he's doing something differently, but it's, it's been out of character.
1: Yeah, to suggest
3: that, that he would all of a sudden be like, if Doug's back, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, was it as yeah. simple as the ego was, was, was hurt by this, the way the events unfolded? You know, winning back the team after Nick Foles, the drafting of Jalen Hurts, and the way that quarterback change was made. uh, Was it the way it was handled? I mean, we don't know how this was all communicated, but either way, it it seems pretty apparent. I mean, especially with Carson Wentz's silence um, these last few weeks, that, you know, he he hasn't put out a statement saying, we we loved working with Doug. You know, Um, do you, I'm just curious, do you see any scenario where they're both Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz? on the roster in 2021.
1: You know what? Because the Eagles are as dysfunctional as they are right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, But exactly. there's no way they should be uh, there. And I just, I think Carson Wentz has, has played himself and talked himself, or in this case, really not talked himself out of Philadelphia. I, I can't, because because you're going to be bad the next couple of years he's not going to be able to redeem redeem himself with wins and losses on the field he's it's going to be perceived that he forced out doug peterson at this point so i, I just and mm. i just can't i can't see a way that carson wentz can be the quarterback this year other than financial you know other than the financial aspect of it i mean but i, I just feel like there's got to be a way to trade him so yes you it's a bloodbath in 2021 and then you just move on. You know, you yeah. just you sink that cost and, and and you move on because I just I don't see any way that he can redeem himself in, in Philadelphia at this point. And that is the biggest question I have had throughout this whole thing is you've got Doug Peterson, who is perceived as a really good, solid person. Right. You've got Carson Wentz, who is a mm-hmm. perceived, like you said, is a good, solid person on. On the surface, from the outside, it looks like Doug Peterson has had Carson's back this whole time. He's he's always yeah. in, tried to encourage Carson. I think he he Carson continued starting longer than he should have this year. Doug probably should have pulled the trigger two weeks earlier. So I can't see from the outside what problem Carson Wentz would have with Doug Peterson that makes any sense at all unless there are things going on behind the scenes, or maybe Doug was pushing to remove Carson earlier in the season and Jeffrey Lurie was telling him no, but we just don't know any of that stuff and we probably never will. Yeah. And the sad thing is, like you
3: said, um, it just shows the dysfunction that that you've gotten to this point. And and if they do end up keeping Carson once purely because of finances, I think you're, you're continuing to make the mess worse. Really? Exactly. Because there's no reason you trot out a guy for many reasons, for his sake, for the team's sake, for, you know, whatever. It almost seems as if unless they, uh, there's like one of two options here. It seems like either Jeffrey Lurie purely because of financial reasons, if that's kind of what Troy Aikman was suggesting that, Mm -hmm. that he was in on Carson because the paychecks are already going out. That's one way, which is pretty dysfunctional, not helping anyone. The other way that Carson stays is maybe in these head coaching interviews, someone really just professes, a love for Carson Wentz, a a real belief that they can fix him. And you look at, um, you know, his his, uh, body of work and you say, we might not be great this year. Maybe we can contend the following year. He's still just turned 28. Mm -hmm. We believe he can play till 35, 36, whatever. But that's going to take some convincing. I mean, your coach has to be convinced of that because then you're saying we're going through this rebuild where we have a chance to maybe draft a quarterback and we're going to choose – to kind of fall back on what Carson Wentz has proven before.
1: Yeah. And we've seen really good quarterbacks with a couple of years in their prime, their teams take a step back and then they reemerge. But they, they those quarterbacks, like Aaron Rodgers, was good the whole time, even during the downtime, and Carson and, Wentz and they also,
3: it. Yeah. And they also didn't have the dysfunction of the rest of the team. You right. know, the coach departing at this stage of the career. Right. The rumors about, you know, it, it, it's such a messy situation.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the NFL playoffs here this weekend, and we'll just kind of go rapid fire on these on these four games to to finish things up because these are some really good matchups. I don't, sometimes in the divisional round you get some mismatches, and you know, hey, that might be the way it shakes out this time around. Some of the spreads are are a little large, but I, I think these are real these are really good games we have because look at the first game on Saturday. You got the Rams at the Packers. Green Bay is favored by six and a half, but. That Rams defense is really something else. I mean, Aaron Donald is a monster, and it takes a, a all it would take is a big day from Aaron Donald to make life miserable for Aaron Rodgers. Um, we've seen Aaron Rodgers play well in big games, but we've also seen him not play well in some big games. And so, you know, you're on. You know, the Rams are on the road. They the, the Packers have that first round bye. Um, they're the only NFC team with that first round bye, so I think that's going to be a huge advantage for them uh, this weekend. Um, where do you see this thing shaking out?
3: Yeah. I mean, the Rams are kind of a team that I didn't, uh, I've kind of, you know, written them off for a few weeks now and and, and they're here and they're yeah. within a game of the NFC championship. And so I'm not a big believer in, in Jared Goff at this point, but their defense, like you said, is, is capable of keeping it close. I mean, uh, the Jalen Ramsey, Devontae Adams matchup, that's another one that should be, mm, yeah. you know, primetime entertainment. And so Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is not immune to that playoff slip up, but um, I I just look at what the Packers have been doing on offense. I think they're, you know, if it comes down to it, it's a close game. The Rams keep it close. I still would trust Aaron Rodgers over Jared Goff to kind of deliver uh,
1: the victory there. All right. So, Packers move on in that game for you. Uh, The second game on Saturday is the Ravens and the Bills. And I got to tell you, I'm leaning towards the Ravens on this one. I know the bills are the talk of the NFC, but they kind of struggled a little bit with Indianapolis last week. And the Ravens look like right now, the way they did last year when, when they were taking the AFC by storm. What do you think about this one?
3: Yeah, I think this is probably, you know, you could argue saints bucks is the toss up too, but I think this Mm -hmm. is, this is the most, uh, I guess up in the air for me. I mean, I think it's, it's going to be fun. I mean, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, one of the guys really great electric with his legs. The other one with his arm, um it's tough I, we had to do bold predictions this week and I, I chose the Ravens to win mm-hmm. and so um I just think uh, you know Buffalo has been vulnerable against the run this year at times mm-hmm. and so if Lamar Jackson can get on the move especially if this is a snowy game they're not going to be throwing it through the air that much um, I like the Ravens uh, ground attack in this one but boys are going to be a, a fun one
1: yeah, it really should be a high-scoring game I would think. Um and you got the Browns at the Chiefs here in the second AFC divisional game, uh the Chiefs. This is a big line. The Chiefs favored by 10. Um and I don't know how you look at the the Brown Steelers game from last week. Obviously, it was a blowout on on the Brown side, but really the Steelers just gave that game away in the first quarter and after that, it's it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, they they played them pr- pretty tight after that, but you dig yourself a four touchdown hole. It's, it's hard to dig out of that. And Andy Reed coming off a bye in the playoffs, especially, it's really hard to get one past him in those types of situations. Yeah. Is there any, is there any chance that the Browns are able to pull this off?
3: I don't know. I feel, I feel bad for Kevin Stefanski. You know, yeah. he he leads the Browns to this great record has to sit out the first playoff game. And then he comes back to play the chiefs and arrowhead. Um, yeah. I think when you look at the Steelers game, so many of those Brown scores, you don't, you don't want to discredit what their defense did, but, Um, so many of those browns touchdowns to to run off that early lead came off of turnovers and Mm -hmm. so once the steelers just held on to the ball it was a different story and so patrick mahomes tyree kill and you run down the list it's going to be hard for them to stop it the only way maybe they hope is slightly or slightly lower scoring Mm -hmm. you're running the ball a lot with nick chubb and kareem hunt to keep patrick mahomes on the sidelines but it's just too, I mean, it's, it's too tough yeah. to go with the Browns
1: yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. It's too set up for the chiefs. It, it really is. And uh final game, the NFC divisional game on Sunday evening or late Sunday afternoon, the bucks and the saints. Um, again, I think this is a really, really close one and you've got uh, a great quarterback matchup here. Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, two hall of famers going at it for a trip to the NFC championship game. What do you think about this one?
3: I mean, everything says the Saints should be able to win because they won five straight against the Bucs. Tom Brady's not looked good against the Saints. Um, New Orleans has a great defense, even better than the Bucs, I'd say. But I'm going with Tom Brady. I mean, I know that uh, whether you, you love him or you, you hate him, I mean, I think he has been throwing the ball better lately. The mm-hmm. chemistry with guys like Antonio Brown has been there. Um, you know, I, I think the Saints are going to give him uh, clearly a run for their money, but um I just I like the Buccaneers to finally, you know, third time's the charm here with them.
1: Yeah, as a as an Eagles fan who uh was uh was was living through the Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb years when they were beating the Buccaneers in the playoffs every year and in the regular season and then you get to that NFC Championship game in 2002 at Veterans Stadium, final game ever. I was there. I knew we were going to win that game. I mean, I just knew it in my bones. And which obviously led to one of the worst games in franchise history. So, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly. New Orleans Saints fans, I'm just trying to give you a little bit of warning. Don't think just because you've beaten the Bucks five, six times in a row that it's necessarily going to happen in yeah. the playoffs. Uh, and, and we've
3: seen lately the Saints have they've been great in the regular season, but they have you know had some some upset losses in the playoffs yeah. these last few years. So it's not out of the question.
1: Absolutely. Well, folks, make sure you're reading Cody Benjamin's work for CBS Sports by following him on the Twitter machine at Cody J Benjamin. Cody, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy, man. I really appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me on, John. I appreciate
1: it. Well, to wrap things up, let me give you my picks uh, for this weekend. You heard Cody's picks. I'll, I'll give you mine. And last week I went 4-2 and two in the wild card round. And in the overall SB Nation um, straight-up win-loss records, I've moved to within one win of the community. Uh, obviously, I, I have the best record among all the BGN writers and, and experts uh, for the second year in a row, and uh, I'm one game away. I'm one win off. From matching the community record, so um, I'm still looking to take over you guys, uh, but you guys have had an, an awesome year. But um, here are my picks for this weekend. So take them take them for a, the grain of salt with which you normally would. Uh, the first game on Saturday is the Rams at the Packers, and of course, Green Bay favored by six and a half points. Hard to say how big an impact being the only team with the first round buy is going to be for the Packers and the Chiefs this weekend. I was I came away watching the Rams defense really impressed. In, in the wild card weekend, they are awesome. Uh, Aaron Donald is awesome. They absolutely could pull off an upset in Green Bay. I do think this game will be pretty close, but I do like the Packers to cover just barely. I think they win by a touchdown. I've got Green Bay beating the Rams 30 to 23. In the second games, uh, second game, the Ravens and the Bills, the bills have had a storybook season. I know a lot of people have compared them to the 2017 Eagles. that certainly could be the case. I would love to see them win it all. They are the team that I'm rooting for the most here in the postseason. When you think about the four straight Super Bowl losses for the Bills in the 90s and the fan base there that has suffered for so many years, that fan base deserves a championship more than any other fan base, maybe even in all of professional sports after everything they've been through. That being said, Baltimore, who struggled all year to get their offense going, now finally has that offense humming like it was last year. And you've got two high-scoring teams. I think the Bills, I mean, we're hearing that there could be some bad weather on Saturday, but even so, both these teams can run the ball. You know, you've got Josh Allen, who is an MVP contender. He's not going to win the MVP. That probably is going to go to Aaron Rodgers. But uh, you've got a guy who's going to probably finish third in the MVP vote in, in Josh Allen, who's playing lights out. I just wasn't wowed by how they played against the Colts last week. I thought they struggled with the Colts maybe a little bit more than they should have. And the Ravens really are just absolutely rolling right now. So I have the Ravens beating the Bills here in the late game on Saturday night. 41 to 35. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Um, I think it's going to go well over the over number here. Ravens 41, Bills 35. All right, on Sunday, Browns at Chiefs. The Chiefs favored by 10 in this game. You know, once the Steelers stopped throwing the ball away, they actually outplayed the Browns over the last three quarters last week. The running game for Cleveland is outstanding, and that's really the only way they're going to beat the Chiefs is by having, as you heard Corey talk about, uh, Chubb and Hunt basically keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. But Andy Reid has historically, again, been unbeatable coming off a bye, especially in the playoffs. And uh, via Corey's uh, colleague Jeff Kerr at CBS, if the Chiefs win on Sunday, they will become the first AFC team to ever host three straight conference champ- championship games the eagles are the only nfc team to do that those three straight cha- conference championship games in and uh when andy reed was there so again both of those teams would have been coached by andy Reid. and i think the i think the andy Reid led chiefs will pull it off i think it'll be a fairly easy win for kansas city 27 to 14 finally the Bucks at the Saints. The Saints are favored by three, but like the Ravens, the Bucs, I think, are the hotter team right now. New Orleans has home field advantage, but the crowd won't be a factor, so that takes away a big advantage for the Saints. Brady versus Breeze is awesome. It's going to be a great matchup. And right now I think Brady is playing a little bit better. I think he has some more weapons at his disposal. I think the Bucs will go into New Orleans and pull off the upset here and take on the Packers in Green Bay next week for the NFC Championship game. Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers and Lambeau Field. That will be fun. I think the Bucs beat New Orleans this weekend 24 to 19. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. And, hey, listen up. On Friday, we've got, I've got a brand-new BGN Memories coming out, and we're going to be looking back at the 1980 NFC Divisional Game between the Eagles and the Vikings. We're going to have lots of highlight highlights in there, and we're going to chronicle that 1980 Eagles team as it's going through. Like we talk, we've been talking about, the 40th anniversary of that 1980 Eagles Super Bowl run. We're going to take a deep dive into the Divisional Round Game between the Eagles and the Vikings from back in 1980. So make sure to check that out. That's going to be on a brand new BGN Memories, which will also be coming out on Friday afternoon, uh, early Friday evening. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. B.G.N.